0: All right, let's welcome back to the Misfit Nation. Our first return guest, Tyler Jeffcoat, the seller's accountant. How are you, Tyler? Man, I am having a good day. Thank you, Rich. How about yourself, buddy? I'm pretty good. I was glad to see uh, when you when you guys reached out to come back on. I said that, that's a good sign saying we must be doing something right. And uh, hopefully we had a good chat last time to bring you on and have you run back. I think it was only July last time we spoke. Wow. That's a, you know what? It's... um. Honestly, you guys have a great
1: show here. This is a good, high-value show. I could see your listeners really getting a lot of impact, you know. And I've just had some new things kind of coming across my brain, thinking through how to make money in this business. And uh, honestly, just grateful that you'd have me on again today. Thanks, man.
0: And no problem. Uh, Like I said, it was great having last time, and uh, to watch watch your dogs go through the season right now. I know you're a little excited, and don't want to get too pumped right now. Listen, you never know what can happen. The last couple, what two weeks now? I guess you have left. Before well, the big you know, the, the, the plight
1: of the Atlanta fan is that we're, <laughs> right. We're, it's going to take a lot of reconditioning to get used to not blowing it. <laughs> so, so the Braves helped us, right? Like my Braves helped us a couple of weeks ago. We, we finally were like, okay, wow. We don't have to lose every time. That's kind of cool, Rich. We don't have to lose every time, but I hate to say it, man. This is, and I live in Athens guys. I'm, I'm, I'm close to UGA. Love the dogs was a double dog, but every week I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. The other shoe's got to drop. so you know, But, you know, it is actually a fun season. It's fun to see uh, your team when they're great, you know, that kind of thing.
0: And I think this season you guys have shown that you have the depth needed to go to full distance. In years past, you hit one rock and someone get hurt and then you were done. Now you I've seen this year to reach back. You can reach back almost to the band right now and get them on the field and, and still beat teams.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't think it's a five star band, but it's pretty close. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> they
0: about, about three, two, three star, but they're good. I mean, they can dig out there to the trombone and do it. So that's good.
1: That's right. And remind me, who, who are you rooting for? I'm Notre Dame.
0: Okay. Hey, you guys are kind of sitting in an interesting
1: spot here, also, right? Uh, not that that's what this podcast is about, but you guys have a pretty good, interesting story. In yeah. Fall, so. yeah,
0: we're kind of on that, that teeter line right now. Any miss up by us and we're gone, any miss up by people ahead of us, we fall into luxury. So <laughs> yes, so we're hoping on the 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 ladder, I guess, for people to fall and we can move forward. So I guess we'll we'll get back into it. You uh, want to speak about uh, how business models inform your actual cash flow as you move forward with your business?
1: Yeah, definitely, Rich. So so the the I had a question from a friend pop up about a month ago, Rich, which was why we reached out to you. And he was he was asking. He was, here's what he was asking: What's the one Metric, the one KPI, the one number I need to keep an eye on to really manage my e-commerce business well, and and I was like, wow, what a great question. And so as I chewed on it, what I realized is that in the e-commerce space, which is where you know where I live, I live in this sandbox, right? That's Amazon sellers and e-commerce brands. What you choose to measure and therefore aim for. It all depends on what your product strategy is. So, and remind me, Rich, how many of your listeners are selling products? Is it a pretty good mix of- of It's probably about a 60, 40. Okay. So for those of you out there who are selling products, you might be familiar with kind of what's called a traditional arbitrage business, right? The guy goes and scans Nintendo's at Walmart and he sells them for a higher price on eBay. That's kind of a traditional arbitrage business. But as soon as you move beyond that arbitrage business, Um, you've got some options in terms of how much you invest in developing your brand. And I'll give you an example. Uh, One example is I buy someone else's product and I just put it in my box, slap my label on it and sell it on Amazon. That is a very different business model than I have developed a patented widget that does something super cool that no one else does. And I think that was the main thing I wanted to share with everyone is, and, and this really doesn't, just end in e-commerce, but let me make the e-commerce point and then I'll broaden it. I got to understand how I deliver value to my customers. And so so here's here's what that looks like in summary. If, if I'm a true direct to consumer business, like the one that has the patent and is kind of selling through a website and doesn't need Amazon or eBay to help them, uh, then my job is to understand how to deploy my cash in such a way as to develop the right products develop the long-term relationships to those customers. Because the nice thing about owning the customer, let's say you can grab email addresses or something like that. The nice thing is that you actually, you actually can retarget those customers, right? You can send them an email and sell them something else down the line. That's a great business model. But the way you deploy your cash is going to be different in that model than if I'm just a pure arbitrage seller. All I'm doing is I'm grabbing something off of someone else's shelf and putting my label on it. And so I want to be careful not to get too much in the weeds because you've kind of mixed audience in your in your podcast but just just know that the strategy is different and here's the punchline the only metric that matters doesn't change it's the same regardless of which business model you have and this is how this broadens out to you know rich your business or my business I'm an accountant I have an accounting firm and what I'm learning is uh, and you're learning this from great CEOs like um like Warren Buffett you hear that guy old guy lots of money great investor What has made Warren... Yeah, yeah, he's popped up occasionally, right, Rich? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What makes Warren Buffett great is that he knows how to take his precious pile of capital, whatever his resources are, and most effectively allocate them to the best projects, to the best acquisitions, to the best investments, to the best products, whatever it is. And so I think the point that I would want to give that kind of broadens out to all business owners out there is, listen... If we had infinite cash, then we should list a million products and have a million services and have a million employees. And there's no limit to what we can do, but that's not reality. In reality, we've got a finite amount of resources, time, energy, money, people, whatever that is. And our job as a CEO, our first and maybe most important job is to make those high-level strategic decisions about... Uh, for instance, to to think about e-commerce again, I have 10 different products. Should I continue to list all 10 of them or should I kill one of them? Right? That kind of question. Because, Because guess what? I'm going to run out of cash if I invest in all 10 of them. I need to pick the best nine or the best eight, the ones that are actually profitable and only put my precious time, money, resources. So like you think about this. Uh, for a lawn guy, if you got a guy that's out mowing people's lawns, he wants to only address the customers and the problems that he can get maximum return on his his investment for. If I'm a real estate investor, I only want to invest my cash or my borrowed money into the properties that I believe are going to give me the biggest return on investment. And so I guess I'm kind of on a soapbox here recently, Rich, as I'm speaking at conferences and stuff. And, And admittedly, a lot of these conferences are kind of like, e-commerce nerd conferences, but I'm on this soapbox, which is you've got to understand what your return on investment is and you can't do everything. And so you got to focus on the things that are going to make you money. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. You got to choose your aperture correctly. When you're creating a business, you may start small, get bigger, and then have to realize you have to go back to an original diagram and how to do it right. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. You can't just keep growing without Understanding where your aperture is. Yep, and for me, like just to give a
1: personal example, you know, seller (laughs) accountant is a services business. We we sell bookkeeping, right? We're we're services. I hire people; they do stuff for people, right? That kind of thing. But the problem is, is when you start a new business, you kind of like you know, I'm like Rich. I will, I'll, I'll, I'll do your laundry. I'll shine your shoes. I'll mow your lawn. I'll do your grocery shopping, and I'll do your bookkeeping. Just give me money, please. I'll do anything for you, right? But as you grow, you have to realize, oh gosh, I actually have to have a focused, defined offering to my customer. And it is kind of an emotional journey with your very first customers or your very first product that you developed to have to realize, oh boy, that may not be a winner at scale. There may be some tweaking or dialing in that needs to happen in order for that product to be a business and not just me doing my thing. I don't Have you ever encountered that in your businesses?
0: Uh, Not in my business, but uh, I've seen small businesses have to do that. And uh, my friends, go through those same uh, hurdles, I like to call them, and either either you make it over that hurdle or you fall backwards and try to figure out how to get back off your turtle shell and get back into the, into the fight at that point.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's a pretty natural, you're, you're right though, I think for small businesses, there's a natural, <coughs> probably part of the maturation or maturity process to say, my first step is to fight for revenue. Once I find revenue, I've got to actually build a dialed in product that allows me to, you know, hire other people to deliver the service or a great example of this, a really good friend of mine right now named Tim makes like custom woodwork. I mean, it's beautiful. It's so nice. He'll make a table, he'll make you a, a mantle. Like, you know, just think about how like just really high quality wood. And he's, ha- he's in a bit of a crossroads right now, Rich trying to decide, do I wanna just make a $10,000 table? <clears throat> Cause I can only do a couple of these a month. <laughs> and I got to make a living and I've got expenses, or do I want to try to build some kind of a template that I could repeat that is a more scalable business. And he's such a gifted craftsman. He has such an eye for quality that he's really not sure what he wants to do. And either question, I mean, either answer could be good. The wrong answer is I know what I'll do. I'll just charge the thousand dollar per unit (laughs) bill for the $10,000 table. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, definitely. uh, today anyway, man today i i tried a local business uh, a woman started a bagel business here in clarksville and uh you know we don't have bagels here in the south that much they're fresh and i had just come back from new york city this weekend and i didn't have any up there so my daughter was pushing and pushing we want bagels and this thing popped up on my facebook I said, i'm gonna try it out it's local business i messaged her ordered my bagels and right now like, like she's hungry so she wants to get the business going So she met me to deliver it to me across Mm -hmm. town, met me in a parking lot, never seen each other before. It's like doing a drug deal with bagels. And uh, they're actually pretty good. And and that's how she's going to grow her business. And once she gets it growing, then she can actually stop that, stop the running and just have it scaled down to, hey, you come to me.
1: Yeah, it's such a great example. Yep. She's shining your shoes. She come to you, whatever you need. (laughs) She'll cook the bagel in your kitchen. You know, whatever you need, she'll do it for you right now. But, you know, I guess you got to admire that. That's the hustle, man. That's not what you got to have to start that business and get it off the ground.
0: Definitely. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, and I don't want to, um, again, I want to be careful not to get too technical here. Um, but what do you see? I just want to ask you, Rich, turn around. By the way, when you host a podcast, because I've been on a bunch of these, it's really rare that the host, like like you guys have a lot more value to add than your listeners realize and you're like really good facilitators. Like, let me ask you this, what are you seeing in your world that's really transforming the way your entrepreneurs are, are thinking about leadership and mindset and whatnot?
0: I think a lot of it within the last uh, year or so, like everyone seen the last year or so, the the large hiccup was the big elephant in the room. And that's not Alabama, that's COVID that was in the room for the last year and a half. And that caused a lot of people had the dream of the brick and mortar store to go to the e-commerce store, to go to them selling outside the front of my house or out, the, out of my van in the in a parking lot i'm selling these selling these delicious bagels because i got to get something going to have revenue going so it made people hungrier and more creative in their ability to create a business at that point point. and that's what i've been seeing very very frequently right now even in town here a lot of people went to food trucks during the pandemic and now they're trying to turn those food trucks not just into a mobile food but to have a brick and mortar to go alongside it yep. so, so it's a constant uh i guess evolution of businesses. It's really cool though, because I think, um,
1: you know, one of your big things is mindset, uh, Rich. And like the entrepreneurs or the thinkers <laughs> and doers out there who took the elephant in the room, you know, again, not, not Sabin, but COVID-19 <laughs> and asked the question, what does this crisis make possible for me? What does this change in the market make possible that may not have been possible before? And you're right. A lot of folks were like, okay, wow, it really sucks that the local restaurants are struggling right now, but I could sell bagels out of a van. And this is an opportunity that I might be able to fill a gap. And it's kind of happened the same way with with other e-commerce brands where they're like, wow, we're not walking into Walmart quite as much anymore or Target or whatever our local shop is. Oh, wow. I wonder if that means I could fulfill this need because guess what? Uh, you know, it's funny though, people that were like, I'm, I'm in my late thirties, people that were my age were, were buying stuff on Amazon anyway. Right. What's changed is that my dad, who's in his sixties, ah, now he's buying stuff on Amazon more than he ever was before. And so the folks that were like, wait a second, the consumer momentum is being accelerated towards e-commerce. That cool idea I had to solve that problem. Like I had a friend that like was really hacked off that his like super fancy Yeti cooler yeah. uh, like didn't have a, an accessory, like it, the, the, the plug or the light or something broke on it. He just didn't, invented his own. Went and nice. sourced it from China, <laughs> built him a million dollar business, right? He's done a really great job. And so I guess that would be my encouragement to the listeners is if there's something that's bugging you that might be unusually easy to get to market right now because the world is kind of kooky still, man, this might be the right time to go for it and just try to see if you can design a product. You know, Amazon kind of makes it easy if you're looking to launch something from scratch. And uh, I've had some friends that for less than, I mean, it's not nothing, but for less than $10,000 in upfront investment, we're able to build a, a thing, build a brand that's kind of been able to run. And, you know, so anyway, I think that's the big thing for me is when the market shifts and it makes things hard, that's actually great news for entrepreneurs because it creates an opportunity to fix a problem that some, probably some behemoth company is already solving, but now they can't do it
0: as well anymore. Right. Right. And then most times like the behemoth company, will see the smaller company growing and wind up buying their company because we don't want you to overtake us. So you're, you're making out anyway. In the end, your brand is out there. Now Walmart has bought you out because they don't want that competition. Or Amazon says, hey, why don't you come under our umbrella and we'll take care of everything for you. You just keep your face on it. Okay, that's good. Boom. Yeah,
1: Yeah, we're seeing more of that. There's a lot of private equity. So private equity is like fancy speak for people in Wall Street that have money that want to invest it and don't know where to put that money. And there's been a big shift in the last year towards these, like you're kind of saying, almost these like mom and pop kind of brands where you know mom and pop might still be a million dollar business, but you might be shocked at how quickly you can build a million dollar company online, right? I mean, it's like can happen really quickly. And so a lot of this quote unquote, really smart money, candidly, not all of it's as smart as they think they are, but they're really flooding in to buy these uh, e-commerce and, and, and it's not even just e-commerce brands. Like if you have something else, maybe you have a content business where you're creating content or maybe you have a, um, a fitness program you're building on or something like that that gives you the ability to connect with your clients. The the big money guys out there are kind of starting to see value in these different alternative business models, Uh, kind of to what you said earlier, Rich, bricks and mortar, kind of yucky right now. we got to put this money somewhere. Where do we put it? Let's find something creative. And they're just getting more creative in in being open buying our kinds of companies, which is great for us. It means they pay more for our businesses, honestly.
0: Yeah, I think it's also helping a lot of uh, even municipalities that were kind of struggling through the... Through the pandemic, because they weren't doing much with like school buses or maintenance of the school buses. So a lot of these small businesses bought old school buses and made them in the food trucks. Yeah. So you you're keeping it local anyway, and then expanding that local money, that local economy just by driving street street selling whatever your wear is that day. Man, what a great idea.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine how many. Kind of dead and sitting in the parking lot, school buses. My county must have here in Georgia. I'm sure it's a bunch. So,
0: yeah, I mean, here we're short a hundred drivers. So, there's buses that have been sitting for almost a year. it's incredible.
1: Wow. Well, I mean, that was the main thing that I wanted to kind of share with everybody. Anything else you want to rip about here,
0: Rich? Do you have anything you want to show, like visuals or stuff like that, or?
1: Well, yeah. And again, I was. Uh, I know you you're a saying, hesitant.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, oh, no, I'm not hesitant. I, I want to be respectful. If you want to enable it to where I can share, I'll I'll just share a picture of two things really quickly. For those of you guys who are listening to this, uh, please uh, accept my sincere apologies. Like I've listened to podcasts before. I'm like, man, that is such a jerk thing to do to like be the guy that says, you got to look at this. But my point is just saying if you're an e-commerce brand, the more you invest in owning the relationship with your customer, in other words, the further down this little chart you get, the more business valuation you have. So so this is the kind of easiest way to look at it is if I'm having to start a business on the cheap, I don't have a lot of money, then I may need to pick a simpler business model and it may not have the biggest upside when I try to sell it in three years, but that might be okay. I need to, I need to build some cash. Maybe when I sell that first business, now I got a pile of money. Now I can invest in a more sophisticated product or more sophisticated brand where the upside is much larger, I can exit a lot higher, and and so in the e-commerce world, we kind of identify these as different kinds of private label or brand ownership. Won't bore you with the details there. The last thing I would show you again, if you're watching it, go to YouTube. By the way, check out Rich's YouTube channel to, to see this. Is I just wanted to bring to everyone's attention that you got to manage your profitability. You have to know how much it's actually costing you to deliver your product or your service. You don't have to be an e-commerce seller, which are my clients. It doesn't matter. You might be an appliance repair guy. You might be a real estate guy. Whatever your business is, it's crucial that you take the time to put a name on every dollar in your business so that you can actually answer the question, you know, Rich, where to see you out and about. And he says, hey, Tyler, how much money did your business make last month? You ought to be able to look at your computer and in five minutes, give him an answer. And if you can't, then I just want to challenge you again, as the market gets weird, as things are kind of transitioning, it's the guys and gals who can execute and have their P's and Q's and everything else crossed and dotted and whatnot. Those are the people that are going to win and be successful. And so don't get sloppy on the details and don't, don't decide to forget about the money because you got to keep an eye on your money so you can you know, have a successful company.
0: Definitely. Definitely. No even looking at that chart, you've seen uh, Brian and Amy both invested the same amount, uh, had the same amount of upscale, and then only one made a hundred thousand more in the in the end of it. So you know one was doing something a little better at the end end in the long term for that business to succeed.
1: yeah, that's right. And for those of you guys who couldn't see it, you know there was two million dollar companies on the chart, but one of them was fifty percent more profitable, was a lot more profitable than the other one. and Again, so it's so this is what's funny, Rich. I don't know if you've ever found this, but you go to like a conference or a trade show or even hang out with some buddies at a local bar or whatever it is. Everyone wants to talk about their revenue, right? You know, that's the sexy number. Yes, hundred thousand in sales last year, or I did fifty thousand in sales last month. But that's really BS. Like that's really um, what's the 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 thing that I've always heard. It's like sales is vanity, profit is sanity.
0: Right. Right. And so
1: just make sure as you're running your business. Um, that you know, two things. One, profit is way more important than sales. And two, everyone struggles with profit. Like you probably feel like you're the little guy because you're not having a ton of profit, but guess what? 90% of the businesses out there look a lot like yours and not like some mega profitable business that you're maybe imagining is out there. So just that that just means don't give up. Keep trying to tweak your model. Uh, Keep trying to sharpen it and get better.
0: Outstanding. And how much do you think uh, when someone starts their online business, how much do you think they should have their face on their social media marketing or should it be their product? Yeah,
1: it really, it's a great question. So the way I would answer that question is, there's two parts to it. One is if you're gonna sell something that's kind of commoditized. I have a friend that sells, you wouldn't believe an ungodly amount of white paper bags every year. <laughs> he sources them, they are a commoditized product, but he sells millions of dollars of these white paper bags. <laughs> Having any kind of social media presence for him doesn't make a lot of sense. People aren't going to go to Instagram to learn about the different features of his white paper bags. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> here's, here's the creamy white, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, but if you have more of a lifestyle brand, like I've got a, I've got a good friend that owns a camping, you think about like tents and uh, um, like sleeping bags, all of a sudden having a really strong social media presence is crucial. Right. And then you got to have the decision, okay, is this going to be a founder persona where I'm kind of the dude and now everyone associates my brand, like seller accountant equals Tyler. I mean, honestly, this is kind of one of the problems maybe you and I have Rich, right? Is that we do shows like this where it's hard to separate our companies from our mugs, which right. if you guys are looking at this, <laughs> both of us are, are beautifully balding men that you're going to love, right? But but the most scalable and valuable companies find ways to address their customers without the founder having to be the only persona, right? And so, you know, it's almost like your your friend's uh, bagel example a minute ago. It's probably you start doing it yourself, and then try to find ways to pivot away from that as you grow and scale the business.
0: It's outstanding. That's well. That's the way I was thinking. That's what I mean. Hear from a smart person as well. Someone's on the other side of the fence, so it's good. <laughs> <laughs> so I see a lot on uh, on all the social media networks. You With know, this, you get ads based on what I look at during the day. I guess because your phone tells you tells them what to put on there. Big brother's always watching. I mean, I walked by a generator on my street. I just looked at that's a cool generator. Next thing I know, I had 17 ads for generators on my phone, but none of them had a picture of a dude next to him. It was just had the generator buy me on it. So, <laughs> bro, we had the
1: same thing happen. It's unbelievable how like creepily. Accurate those algorithms are, where it's like I didn't even tell my wife that, but I was thinking about that product, and all of a sudden it like pops up in my feed. I'm like, what the hell, man? How did that even happen? So, yeah,
0: it's a it's a weird world, man. Even just talking with my buddies at work about a new gun that came out, all of a sudden I'm getting every email for that gun. I'm like, wow,
1: how would that? Happen? <laughs> Well, and then you get the mailer in your inbox, in your mailbox, and you're like, and they're mailing me stuff. Like, this is unbelievable. So You know, everything. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to think about that too much. We may, we may get a little discouraged there, but yeah,
0: we might get some ads now from both of us of what we just talked about. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I love it. Well, buddy, so, uh, anything else again, you want to chat uh, about If you want to promote your uh, website so people can get to you and actually hire you or get more advice from you person one-to-one, again, and let us know that.
1: Yeah, I'm more grateful for the opportunity, Rich. So seller accountant is if I'm, I like sell things online, not like a basement, but like I'm a seller, S-E-L-L-E-R, selleraccountant.com. You can learn a lot about our services. I think if you're you're considering getting into some kind of an entrepreneurial venture online, we may be a good resource. We got a lot of free kind of tools and stuff on the website. You're welcome to use. If there's anything I can do to serve you, let me know. And um, yeah, Rich, love getting to chat with you, buddy.
0: Awesome. And again, if you want to come on in the future again, you have a, Another uh, G Wiz idea. A month out, and you start talking to your buds. You want to come on? Just give me a call, give me an email, and we'll we'll get you on here. Love it. Well, by the way,
1: my buddies don't want to talk about this stuff. Like they're like, "What are you? like you nerd?" They're like, "Let's talk about football and have a beer." So, so like you, you got to be careful because I may take you up on that because I'm the guy in the group that's like, let's talk about return on ad spend?" You know, something like that. So, but <laughs> but as things pop up, I'll, I'll keep you posted here, buddy. All
0: right. <laughs> all right. Any industry trends that'd be good to come on to. So. Good pal. All right. Awesome. Great having you on and uh, go dogs.
1: Go dogs.